Welcome aboard the USS Aeronome. To become a member of our crew, please visit perfectorganism.com slash support. As a patron of Perfect Organism, you'll receive exclusive perks and early access to content. Incoming audio transmission received. Please proceed to Subdeck 3 to begin playback. Thank you, and welcome aboard. I think we ought to discuss the bonus situation. Right. Brett and right. I, we think we ought to, we deserve full shares, right, right baby? You see, Mr. Park and I feel that the bonus situation is... Move! Get out of there! George, move! Dad! Move, Dad! Move, Dad! Get Welcome to Perfect Organism, the Alien Saga Podcast. I am your host, Jamie, and I'm joined by my co-host. Patrick. Hey, man. How you doing? I'm doing well. I'm enjoying this uh, lovely weather after the tropical storm that has passed by. We're getting more thunderstorms in an hour, but we have a window of sunshine, and I'm enjoying it. I wish. I miss sun- thunderstorms. It's just sunny and hot here every day of the year. Well, most people love that, Jamie. That's true. Uh, today, our guest is none other than Mr. Aaron Percival himself. Thank you for coming on. No worries. Thank you for the invite. We, uh, we've got a lot of heat at the minute, and you're going to see me dabbing throughout this because I'm sweating my balls off and my back's <laughs> not that dabbing. <laughs> <laughs> this dabbing. That you don't dabbing, have central yeah. air? Say again? You don't have central air? Oh, no. I was talking to Bristop about this, actually. Um, Aircon's not really a thing over here. Because because you don't need it other than we don't a few need weeks, it no sometimes you know Brit- Britain's known for being damp and miserable constantly <laughs> and totally. the last last couple of months have just been horrible horrible stuff not how built hot for this. in terms of Celsius so that our American listeners will have no clue I think it's about. about thirty thirty Celsius I think yeah so that's, that's proper like high that's 80, proper high that's eighty something degrees right I think that's like eighty six degrees yeah well today we are here to discuss Prometheus. Uh, sort of the fandom of Prometheus, the, what fandom was like before Prometheus, the buildup. And Patrick and I were discussing and have discussed before being on the AVP Galaxy forums. This is That's sort of where my fandom was for many years, as Aaron knows. I, I've know. read quite a few of your posts today. Yeah, and I have, I'm obviously I'm not active there anymore just because social media seems to be the, the key but I do check in there sometimes, and they're still going. But I, I really feel like AVP Galaxy's forums were the place where everyone was anticipating. That's where everyone was going and posting. And with the run-up to Prometheus, uh, with the promotion and the excitement, and I felt like it would be appropriate to have you on to really talk about like what that was like for you. Uh, not just you. I know... AVP Galaxy is not just run by you; it's run by another gentleman as well. But you're the you're the public face, um, and so yeah. So I felt like we could start there and like hearing from you, like where where were you in relationship to fandom when that announcement hit? Well, it's a it's a weird one because 
of the journey that Prometheus took to to come out. So I, I spent a good chunk of today like reading through a lot of the old news posts and um, you know significant sort of posts that were coming out and how people were reacting to it because I'm starting to find that kind of thing interesting and. It started life out, as everybody knows, is this this alien prequel, direct alien prequel, alien genesis, alien engineers, whatever, all the various monikers that it went through. And <laughs> an early announcement was actually that it was going to be a remake. Now, you know, before anybody truly knew what it was, and you've got all like the, the press and the, I call them press, you know, all, all the other movie websites and stuff like that. Um, when they're only just starting to hear from their own sources and stuff like that. And one of the early ones was that it was going to be a remake and everybody was up in arms. It's always hilarious because when something like that is announced as a remake, as when the sequel's coming out, everybody's just pissed off, <laughs> just instantly pissed off. And yeah, that, that was funny to see that. That was really funny to see. But before, you know, for, for a long time between, resurrection and then avp actually coming out and, and even a little bit after avp <clears throat> pardon me one of the things that you would always see and i'm, I'm you know i'm talking i'm talking before um, necessarily the, the boards here as well things like the old male groups you know one of the things that you would always see would be somebody going i just want ridley scott to come back and make an alien film and i think the first post on the the like a, a guest or a user made on on when we posted about the the it being a prequel it being a thing it being substantial it you know it was gonna happen was you know oh my god Ridley Scott's back this is gonna be awesome and of course we all we all know it didn't quite turn out that way but so that 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 made me smile just because of how much I remembered those comments and then to see that actually be the first thing but. Yeah, uh, uh, that year when we thought it was going to be an alien film and that we thought Ridley Scott was going to, you know, well, Ridley Scott did do it, but, you know, that Ridley, we thought Ridley Scott was going to be directing an alien film. A lot of people were really, really happy. I mean, there, there was still some degree of um, division because it was a prequel and prequels are their own hot potato, you know. You guys are Star Wars fans, you know you know what the, the prequel buzzword is. Um, I like them. Um, the Star Wars really? ones. You do. Oh, you grew yeah. up with them. You're in that age range for sure. Yeah. Yes. Right. The the pre well, yeah. The the prequels came out when I was eight, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, but I've I've always enjoyed them. The, the sequels not so much. But that that's um, that's a different thing. Um. So yeah, that that was generally where people were at. It was mostly a bit of you know positivity and looking forward to Ridley Scott returning. It's amazing how long news. ago. It's amazing how long ago this is now. It was just hitting me, you know, that we're talking about this film almost a decade after the events that you're talking about, right? Mm-hmm. Like 2010, were when the rumors started. 2011 is when uh, media really picked up on it. 2009, really? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh my God. Yeah, and I then, mean, that's 11 years ago. Yeah, and it's we funny. have all this, all this sort of ability to look back and see what people are saying. And, you know, we're way back and... The, the way back archives and stuff like that you can go back and access all this stuff and see all the old you know old coverage and, and old comments and stuff it's really fascinating Prometheus was announced rather than the, you know the prequel. 
So that I think that is when it took a big turn. Well, that's what I'm wondering is, is how did the conversation change once it became clear in fan communities what this actually was going to be? Because for me, for me as we talked about previously, Prometheus came at a point where I wasn't like super engaged. I was a grad student. I was like really, I wasn't participating in forums at that point. I was like really kind of just focusing on school. So I was kind of like, I kind of missed this kind of hubbub. Um, and, and so for me, this is really, there's like this anthropological aspect to this because it's like this, the one gap I have in my fandom like life, you know? So how did the conversation change for people when it was clear that this was not going to be a remake? It was not going to be, um, you know, an entirely new story that it was going to be affiliated with the franchise directly. And it was also going to be a prequel. Well, for the first six months, it was generally confusion because do you, um, I suppose you wouldn't, Patrick, but um, Jamie, do you remember, you know, that that initial press release where it was talking about the DNA of the alien universe? I do. And I remember it. Uh, the discussion around that synopsis or whatever, people didn't know what to make of it. Mm-hmm. They were like, well, what is this about? And so, DNA, like, and people going way negative real quick. But the funny thing, like I mentioned, I, I read quite a few of your posts actually today and you, you were bang on really early on when um, it was a question of, is this going to be, is this going to be an alien film? Is it going to be connected? And, you know, a lot of people were confused for those first six months, but you, you were bang on really early on. But then the conversation to do with the DNA stuff, um, because people then did start to wonder how literal it was when things like the urn popped up and we were seeing leaked pictures of the urn. And there was people joking about how that would contain you know, the DNA of the um, the alien universe. And I think one of your posts was, no, it's not DNA. It's, it's not literal DNA. Um, because obviously it was figurative. You know, that's what Ridley meant. But then it did end up playing a big part in, in the actual narrative of Prometheus. 100% match. It's us. <laughs> that's everything. Yeah. So <laughs> 30 seconds. Those, those first six months were a lot of people just sort of trying to get to grips of what this genuinely was you know ridley was adamantly you know this isn't an alien film this has nothing to do with alien film it's just the dna and all the other all the other cast and um actors and everybody were just like yes it's connected to alien it's set in the same universe um it's all about the space jockeys of course it's going to be um connected to the alien universe but i think it was when i think it was about halfway through 2011 when they finally showed the film off at San Diego Comic Con. I think it was when people really started to get a grasp of it, you know, and, and that is when the excitement genuinely started to to ramp up, you know, for for like the next, I think, again, six months between um, San Diego and, and the trailer officially dropping, you know, it was just this steady stream of leaked set photos and um, somebody, you know, dodgedly recorded the footage at, at San Diego Comic Con. So we got, you know, we got a look at like all these Giga-esque sets and we were seeing the the space jockey pilot seat and, and all that. And when it became obvious that it was it was genuinely connected to the alien universe, I think that is when a lot of people really started to the enthusiasm was there. You know, Ridley Scott's back. It might not necessarily be an alien film, but we know it's connected. And we're seeing all this stuff that's familiar but different. And and people were people were there. They, they were they were happy. I mean, you still had some people who were a little. I don't want the mystery explaining kind of thing. I know you guys spoke about it in some of the the, the recent episodes. I think the the roundtable with the two guests, uh, Chase and 
uh, I can't remember the other fellow's name. Um, you know, that was something that you guys brought up there was th- this idea of, of explaining the mystery and how that's not necessarily a good thing for, for some people. And th- it did come up in conversation and it still comes up in conversation now. So it was there that early. Um, but yeah, in, in general, you know, it felt, it felt positive and it just got, it got more hype. Patrick, you missed what was possibly one of the most intense, you know, hype trains for these, these films over the time that I've been doing it, you know, Jamie, you must remember when the trailer proper dropped, officially dropped, and yes, by that point it was engaged again. I, I, I what got me back into it was the, still. Yeah, that yeah. was that was that was when I started paying attention again. It was when the photos started coming, and I was like, "Whoa, shit! Okay, this is actual." Because because I wasn't plugged in enough to know if it was actually happening or not, right? Right. right. I was like, "Oh my god, the movie's actually co- going to be an alien film, and it's actually coming out." And then I started paying attention. So I was on the hype train by that point. You got that point. And yeah. I do remember that feeling of like real exhilaration. Like that was when my hopes were like. Mm. And they were using oh. the, the classic siren. The siren, yeah. The yes. trailer. You're not yep. making a film that's not connected to Alien with the, the siren from Alien. And so, yeah, yep. everything was like, oh my God. And the trailer was spot on. It was mysterious. You really didn't know. That trailer, the first trailer is still fucking gold. That is yep. still a great. Damn right. Damn right. I don't think any of the other ones have been, apart from maybe uh, Alien's first you know, trailer with the well, second trailer with the, you know, the sirens themselves, you know, it was such a great callback to that. And I, I remember um, before it officially dropped, you know, we, we had a leaked copy of it. They were, they were testing it on various uh, marketing testing websites and we got a record really dodgy recording of somebody there with on his screen with a video camera, you know, 2010, 11 ish with, you know, we don't have these nice mega, Pixel it's like one of those handheld phones. like movies. Yeah, with like exactly. Blanket over their head and like. Yeah, Jim knows what we're talking about. I know. <laughs> Use this frequently in his um in his documentary. Oh, yeah, that was when I was in my sixties. <laughs> yeah, so you know, I I still remember sitting there on a shitty laptop um on the living room floor when that came across to us, watching that, going, "Holy fucking shit! This is gonna be." immense that first trailer viewing for me was one of the great moments of adult fandom in my life that was one of those things where i was just so it was it felt like such a gift like i felt you know because we, we follow these things for so long and there's so many failures and there's so many periods of getting our hopes up and things not coming through and then when you have tangible proof of something and i felt the same way about covenant the first trailer that got me hooked on it when i saw that this was like going to fit visually in this universe and that it had this kind of frightening aspect to it like that siren she's running through the ship and he's behind just these these flashes of imagery um were so powerful and, and i feel like it's easy to forget because we are so far away removed from it now but when this came out it was such an incredibly exciting moment for so many people i think yeah i mean it was the first lone uh, pure alien film you know for over 10 years you know it, it was ridley scott's return to sci-fi it was ridley it scott's return the, to alien yeah and it had the tone like obviously with the discussions with resurrection and other films things were missing that was obvious whereas with that first trailer and even that first image of shaw being pulled up or blown away in the storm it just felt yeah. like alien it had that uh-huh. that dark hopeless tone that is synonymous with ridley scott's vision of this world and it was amazing i mean i remember specifically the trailers for these films i remember when i saw a tv trailer for alien 3 when i was 15 and i remember that first look and you hear 
you see Dylan say, it started. And then the, the thing, you know, you're seeing all of the imagery go, and then all of a sudden they cut to this one scene, and he's like, don't turn around, run as fast as you can. And you see Ripley right next to him. And I was like, oh my God, like orgasm. Like I just couldn't believe what I was seeing. And then of course, the, yeah. And then the, the film obviously lived up to it. And I remember seeing the trailer for Resurrection in the theater with a packed audience and people were up on their feet cheering after. And the trailer was good. That first teaser trailer for Resurrection, it was, it, it was awesome. And so then for, of course, Prometheus. It was again. You have the 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 Godfather of science fiction coming in, returning to his throne. Um, and what could be better? It was it was absolutely amazing. Definitely, definitely. And then you know they they did a good few sort of. I mean the the, the viral campaign for that was brilliant as well. Even even things as simple as they posted the audio of Milburn getting his arm broken. You know, by the hammerpeed, and they posted that backwards, and people had to, you know, play it, reverse it to to figure out what it genuinely was and stuff like that. Even simple things like that, because in isolation, I remember people uh, isolation, um, you know, without the context of the, the actual film and what was going on and how stupid they were. You know, I remember how excited everybody was just from those sounds. You know, how how much it, it sort of seemed like a terrifying creaturey dark moment and the marketing for prometheus was just spot on throughout throughout they had all sorts of random stuff i mean it was i remember there being a tube station in paris i think that was closed a disused one so they set up like um, an engineer head with a load of um, ampules around and stuff like that and i remember seeing loads of pictures of that there was all sorts of just like really I wouldn't necessarily have thought of that for, for, you know, promoting a film, but they, they rigged that up. So it was all sort of atmospheric with the blues and everything. And, and that looked great. They didn't do that for Covenant. You got a train car with, plas- uh, with um, you know, posters plastered all over it. You didn't get anything like that. Speaking yeah. of, of, of transportation in the UK and um, film promotion, one, one of my fond memories in the lead up to Blade Runner 2049, which where I was in England right before it came out, was seeing all of the double-decker buses with Harrison Ford on the side of them and be like, oh my God, this is so real. It's cool when things go into the physical yeah. space like that, especially with something like Prometheus, which as you're saying was pioneering in its digital. There, you know, there was the TED Talk, right? There was uh-huh. the, the Wayland Yutani website. There were all these little things that were kind of being seeded in the lead up to it that were all very kind of virtual and digital. But seeing something like that, like the tube station must have been so cool. And then there was the whole controversy about whether it was going to be PG-13. Yes. And there was a yes. lot of talk about it. And I remember the the lead, the head of Fox, I can't remember his name at the time. Tim, Tom, some T, Tim or Tom Rothman. And he, I remember him coming out saying, you know, this material, we've seen it. And um, we, this is a big deal for us and we want to make sure we get it right. But it was still up in the air whether it was going to be PG-13. And then they made the decision it's going to be R-rated. And a lot of people felt like if they're going for a PG-13, PG-13 rating, what is this going to be, really? I don't know what that relate, uh, oh. translates to in England, PG-13, but uh, people... Uh, ours is funny. It's going to be watered down if it didn't have that R rating. 
Well, one of the things they talked about with it um, was how they felt like if they re-released Alien, just getting rid of the F-bombs, they felt they'd get away with the PG-13 rating. That that was the justification that Rothman was, you know, was using. Um, and I think Scott might have talked about it at um, San Diego Comic-Con as well, because it was brought up there. And he, he, he did talk about getting coverage to do both. And I'm, I'm pretty sure that's on Furious Gods. I'm pretty sure Charles um, covered that on there where it, it showed things like filming the trilobite sequence, but rather than all the red blood, there was just like translucent goop, which would have been Ridley's uh, PG-13 version. And then, you know, he did his, he did his red blood version and um, they had to see where they went from there. Obviously they went with the, you know, the R-rated stuff. Um, but yeah, I, I was a weird compared to yours. I mean, your you, blanket like down at the bottom or down at the top, whereas we've got a middle ground. So some of your PG-13 films will be a 12A or a 15 for us, whereas some of your R's will be a 15 or, a, an, R, uh, or an 18. And for a good long while, everything alien has been um, 15 over here. Um, when the DC was re-released, it was a 15. Um, for us i think even avp was and that was a pg-13 and then the then first the sec- one was was a 15 in england really yeah yeah weird and then the second one and then prometheus and then covenant it's all been 15s no actually, like- i might be lying i might be lying hang on we have some original research going on give it time <laughs> aaron has turned around and he is looking at his bookshelf okay, he's gonna that's, that, that's the alien um that's the alien 4k that's not Covenant which is yet. terrific isn't it and it no, makes I've, me i only sadder. seen it in the cinema i don't own a 4k oh yeah home. Oh my God, it's so good. The fr- I remember telling Jamie the first time I saw it, I was like, there are things in this movie that I haven't noticed and I've seen this movie a million times. That 4K transfer is incredible and it's super depressing, something that we should cover on another episode that Disney apparently has no plans for further 4K releases of Fox properties. That is neither here nor there. Well, it's, um, phys- it's physical releases. Physical releases of them. Physicals. Right. That's so true. You might, you might still get the filthy digital. <laughs> I, I, yeah, I'm, I, I don't like this move to digital ownership. I really don't. I like having things on that fucking shelf behind me. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, me too. But, but also the fidelity is lower with a digital transfer or something. So like, so, you know, the whole point of doing a 4k master is to get all this incredible data, all the out details. Of it, right? And yeah. then if you, if you try to compress it for a digital transmission, it's not going to be as good. But anyway, um, something that I, I, it brings me back a little bit, you know, I, I feel like this is our little nostalgia episode because this is, it is kind of a genuinely long time ago now. Something that changed a lot with Prometheus is I remember the viral, that like that that I feel like Fox was putting a lot of effort into sort of viral advertising by being very oblique with what they were letting release. This is the same year Dark Knight Rises came out, right? This is the same year. Uh, what else came out? In, uh, John Carter came out in twenty twelve. Prome- right? uh, Inception had come out not too long afterwards because the Prometheus trailer had that loud brrr, like like Inception. Every trailer mm-hmm. was doing it, and yep. Promethe- the trailer for Prometheus did it well. It did, it did. But there were all these like big sort of, you know, high marquee sci-fi things coming out that year or sci-fi or action or whatever. Um, And they were all trying new things with with viral marketing. So I remember specifically Dark Knight Rises did a lot with like the Bane chant and stuff. Remember all that? This this was when, um, oh, balls, what's it called? Cloverfield. Cloverfield was the big one, wasn't it? That was the one that truly sort of kicked it off. I think that was about the same time this was coming out. Mm-hmm. So a lot of the Prometheus stuff got confused with the with the Cloverfield stuff. Everybody was like, "Oh, is it going to be Prometheus related?" But no, it was it was Cloverfield just proper pushing it. 
Right, right. And, and it says a lot that people could be confusing them because what I think was so cool about how Fox marketed Prometheus was it was very hard to tell what it actually was about or what it actually had to do with. I mean, on IMDb, it was untitled alien film, right? Uh, elsewhere, it were all these different script you know, names that were kind of getting leaked that weren't actually the name of the film. We didn't even know what it was about. And then when things started actually getting promoted, it was also still very confusing. The images that were released were very hard to decipher. There was like a star map. There was like the bottom of a spaceship. There was, you know, somebody in, it, it, it was very kind of hard to see exactly what was going on. And then there were this, there was like the website, there was the TED talk that was very oblique. There was the DNA comments that were, everybody was like, what exactly does this mean? So when the movie came out, even though it was, this is the age of social media, the age of internet 2.0, this was right on the cusp where it was still actually a mystery when it came out, what it really was. Even though it had been screened at SDCC, right? Even though people saw it and people talked about it, what they talked about was still so mysterious because the movie is pretty mysterious, right? So even those little like leaks that came from that were still very confusing for people. And I think... Um, it's just fascinating looking back and seeing how I feel like Prometheus was really at the transition point between these two sort of eras of analog and digital film advertising. And, and you, Aaron, I think being so closely tied with the forums, which of course go back to 2004, 2005, right? Yeah, um, yeah. You, you were there for both sort of phases of this. And I guess... Uh, I, I think there was a little... I, I think we came around about the second time. I tend to class AVP as like the second sort of kicking off of, um, you know, the fandom. Because mm. you you had you had the early you had the really early days of the mail groups and and the the fan clubs. I, I did, Jamie, were you in a in a mailing fan club or was that? I, I I hosted one for a while. Um, but this was you were probably. Oh no, I wouldn't have been alive. Well, I, I would have been alive. You were alive. But I would. I think you were probably ten years old by the time I was. Well, th- that was about when I actually joined um, online fandom. Really. Um, because, yeah. like I like I mentioned, the mail groups. You know, but back in those days, you were using alt Outlook, dot, yeah. alt dot cult dot movie yeah. dot alien, yeah. um, and then you had like the old um, game gossip people. You had Alien Legend, Alien Experience, Planet AVP, AVP News, and um, you, you can you can see uh, again way back. You know, you can go and read all their stuff leading up to things like. Um, it was just after about resurrection. So you got like all the lead up to the, the big games at the time, the resurrection game. Cause that didn't come out until a few years afterwards, you know, the first two AVP games, cause they were phenomenal. Um, even things like the old, um, did, uh, you probably wouldn't have Jamie, but, um, Patrick, did you ever play Thanatos encounter on the game boy color? Uh, I, I played ports of it. I don't actually have uh, it itself. Oh, yeah, you've got, you've got to get it on. You've got to get it on. I got to get a game thing. one first. Yeah. So, I tend to consider that, that like the first age of the, the online fandom. Mm-hmm. And then a, a, AVP era kicked off what I consider the second phase. And then, you know, when Prometheus comes out, that's when social media goes big. You know, they had a Facebook page for Prometheus. I was just going to say that. I remember joining that and thinking, wow, there's a Facebook page for a movie. Like that, it was that early on that I wasn't really thinking in terms of films having their own Facebook pages yet. And then it became the alien page. Yeah, it became it the anthology page, right? Yeah. yeah, yeah. So you know, it was. It, yeah, you're completely right. It, it was this transitional point to where most of our focus shifted. You know, where we get most of our news from: um, movie news, re, you know, real world news, blah de, blah de, blah. You know, I I tend to think that um, Facebook is the internet, um, as far as most people are concerned these days. Yeah. Well, during this time, during the buildup, were you hearing anything from Fox? Were they reaching out to you in terms of Prometheus? Yeah, like so... Wanting to hear what people say. I know that eventually 
Charles de la Zarica, um used AVP the forums in terms of engaging fandom. I remember however many years ago this was, you're like eight years ago, you emailed me and you're like, Hey, congratulations on being in the, on the, in the dock. Cause they went over a couple of things yeah. and uh, that's where they were going. And I was curious what that relationship was like for you. So we've had, I've personally had um, a relationship with their, their PR for since about 2007, I think. Um, I mean, they were definitely aware of us and they were definitely watching us, you know, like you said, uh, Charles, you <laughs> Charles used to share an office with um, the publicist on Prometheus and he'd be telling her when we'd posted some leaked ball. Um, I was going to say, I was going to swear then. Um, some leaked um, images and stuff like that. Um, there was another There was another site, I think, called Alien Alien Prequel News. It was just a, like a blog format thing, but they, they got a lot <laughs> of stuff Chris as well. Run by Chris Picard, I'm sure. No, no, it wasn't Picard. It was Christian Fowler. Oh, I met yes. Him. I met him at a yes. convention. Um, actually, where we we both spoke on like a Prometheus speculative panel at an, an Alien twenty fifth anniversary convention in the UK. Um, you know, he was there getting a ton of stuff as well, and, and Charles was aware of that. Um, so n- not not direct sort of like Aaron. How how were people feeling about this kind of thing? Um, but they were checking it out. They were laughing at the um, the ridiculous fan theories. They were. Uh, when people were getting too close to the truth kind of thing. Oh, I, I, I could just imagine how much they were pissing themselves when that alien harvest script, uh, script leaked and everybody's ridiculous reactions to that. I can just imagine them pissing themselves at that. So uh, no, no, not not direct, but they were there. They were watching. They were reading. Um, I remember when that alien harvest script dropped. I, can't even, I remember reading it, but I don't remember what it was about. Um, but I remember reading it thinking, well, this is pretty interesting. But of course, it ended up not being true. It was um, insane. Um, alien ants, um, mind forcing rape. I think <laughs> um, the space jockeys were like. I think it was two. It was two blokes, and they were trying to force them to breed, not realizing. Oh, <laughs> oh you know, that's and, right. Um, that's right. That they couldn't. Yes. 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 So. Um, he ended up, I, I found him on our boards, actually, the guy who wrote it. And I can't remember who it was now, but he created an account to try and defend the authenticity of, um, of the script because he was trying to pass it off as John Spates's thing. Oh, God. And Yeah, I eventually figured out which one it was, and that made me, um, it gave me a good giggle. Well, uh, here's a question. This is probably not going to be that much longer, but maybe kind of a final question. And I, we do want to circle back around with you as we discuss essentially the reaction and fallout. Um, and I have been on the AVP boards recently just to see where the comments go post-release. People are all like, oh, um, you know, and I would love to discuss that later with you in this series. Um Oh no, I'm losing my train of thought. Um, the old age. Okay. We mentioned Alien Harvest, and it's the weirdest yeah. thing in the world. I think. You're well, here's about. my question for you: Do you think that we Alien films, a new a new Alien film, which eventually will release at some someday, will enjoy the kind of hype that they've received uh, in post prequels? I think it's going to depend entirely on what it is. Like, I fucking love Alien, obviously. Obviously, but I'm at that point now where I'm like, if I see Ridley Scott's name attached to the next one, I don't think I'm going to have that much confidence to to throw at it early. 
because I don't trust him anymore. Now, if you come and give me perhaps a Neil Marshall um, alien or um, somebody like that, then yeah, I'm going to be behind that. So it, it it's contextual. It depends entirely on what they're throwing out at us early. If we get these fucking stupid um, remake rumors first, I'm sure I'm sure that's not going to go well. Yes, with Emma <laughs> Watson, the fantastic source that is the British tabloids of um, the weekend sport or whatever it was. Really, I really wouldn't dreamcast her in an alien film. Yeah, she's really, really she just have the gravitas for it. No. However, they probably could have said the same thing about Sigourney Weaver. I would imagine. Who knows? Yeah, because um, you know, you see, I see Hermione, I see Beauty and the Beast. I don't see like, yeah, you know, yeah, I get you. Yeah, so, I, I, th- I think it's going to be tough, and I know we had these discussions before, Patrick and I, um, and even in text conversations with you, like, good luck with Fox, well now Disney, trying to get the fans aboard another film, and I, I think it really will depend on um, who's involved. Uh, I think if someone like Denis Villeneuve. Um, makes an alien film, which probably at this point is plausible. I'm not saying there's any room or anything. Uh, I think people will really be like, okay, this is probably going to be good. Um, but it, it just really depends. I think if uh, Ridley Scott can come in as a producer and leave sort of the rest alone, I think we have a shot of actually people being excited. I know for me, I, as much as I would love another announcement, I don't know how I, I would just be very cynical about it for most of the time, I think. Yeah. Which, is, which is a shame when, you know, you're going to be the ones say talking about it and i can i can guarantee you it'd be the same on our sort of show there's this skepticism until you start to learn more and i i think it's kind of natural anyway you know just just in terms of not building your hopes up in case they do turn out rubbish um but we're at this point where there's a lot of hills to climb a lot of bad will to get over you know patrick you and i and and you, Jamie, you know, we did enjoy Covenant. Um, I think Patrick and I probably more than you. But that, that the same can't be said of everybody. The same can't be said of Prometheus. Um, well, and it also just, but the pain of Covenant for me isn't the movie. It's it's just the how how disintegrated fandom was yeah. after it, and yeah. how it just like I just feel like I'm always having to either argue about it or not talk about it with people. And I'm I'm sort of like, as as funny as it sounds, I know we've discussed this many times, but to me, like the only way for anything you know really popular to get made is for it to be more like the the Blomkamp treatment at this point because I think that fandom is a pendulum and I think we've had our pendulum swing back to the sort of artsier more inward stuff that that we love and I think to get people talking about it and get butts and seats it has to kind of swing away again and be popular entertainment and that would be really painful I think even if it's great I think there would be a, a feeling of pain a little bit because like Dark Horse who I've been thinking about all day today you know I I, I really specifically feel like Disney is touching things that are very special to us and doing what they want. And we really don't matter with Fox. There was this feeling of like, maybe we kind of matter a little bit. Like maybe we, maybe, you know, we know some people we've been here a long time together. We've been through this. Like maybe they'll listen to fans a little bit. I feel like at this point, everything that we kind of hold sacred is being taken a little bit. And I'm not saying that is a bad thing necessarily, but we are really not a part of this equation anymore. And with the death of their social media presence, I mean, it's there, but they're, it's dead. It's done. Yeah. Everything's yeah. turned yeah. off, you know, um, it's, 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 little... it's, it's weird, isn't it? You know, it's a weird, I've, I've, I've said to you, Patrick, um, uh, Jamie, you know, I've gone from knowing the guy running their socials to having random contact with some people in their parks and rec, um, in regards to merchandise. It's, it's very different. You know, it's, it's, very it's like, you know, ambassadors, I guess. Um, the, the contact isn't isn't there at the minute. And it's this period of uncertainty as well, especially now in terms of the, the big one 
you know, like you say, Patrick, is is Marvel is is moving away from Dark Horse? Could that be amazing? Yes, it could. You know, Marvel has this giant reach compared to to Dark Horse. It could put the comic in uh, millions more, thousands more um, reader hands compared to Dark Horse. But until we see that first issue. Until we see, you know, the artist involved and the narrative that they're going for and, and whether it shits on all the um, old continuity or whatever, it's just this period of jaded uncertainty. And it's, yeah. And it's okay yeah. to feel that way too, you know? It, it's I think it's natural for any of us or anybody listening to this to feel that way, to feel like something's kind of special is being tampered with and we don't have, you know, any control over it. But But I do think that what we do have control over and what can't be tampered with is our fandom you know and us being there with each other and for each other and and getting excited and getting disappointed and arguing and finding shared commonalities about stuff and like we're here regardless Um, I guess all that is to say that, you know, I, I feel like we have been through this many times at this point. And I look back at Prometheus as the first time times. for me. And, but in my adult life, because when I, Alien 3 came out when I was seven, you know, and I was completely obsessed with it and nobody could tell me otherwise. I didn't even know people didn't like it until I was older. And people were like, oh, that shitty movie with like the prison colony. I was like, yeah, that's like one of my favorite movies, right? I had no clue. Resurrection came out. I was like 12 I was like super into it. It was funny and cool and great. And then I got older and people were like, oh, that movie sucked. And I was like, oh man, it really did. And I went back and I was like, yeah, it's not as good as I remember. And then there was, and then the next one, of course, was AVP. And by that point, I was old enough to be like, oh man, this is not what I wanted it to be. And I was so into the comics and the games. And then Reckoning Fountain, I fucking hated it. And then Prometheus came and I just remember that feeling of, because by that point, like I was saying, I was kind of out of fandom again getting sucked back into it and getting that feeling again and being like, Oh my God, this is it. This is, this is what's going to, this is what's going to do everything that I wanted to do. And then it came out and I really didn't like it. And I was like, man, so we do go through these things together, you know, as fans. And, and I think that whatever the future of this holds for us, it will be uncertain and it will be hard for some of us and easy for some of us. And, uh, and the only thing we can basically bank on is that it's uncertain, but Prometheus to me represents a, a unique moment in my fan journey and and the journey of our fandom where Aaron as you were saying beautifully earlier it was a, a shift it was an epochal shift from that second phase to that third phase and that third phase is where we are now and that third phase is more engaged than ever it's more global than ever and it's way more toxic than ever at least in my experience and it presents us with a lot of things to talk about and think about because there will be a fourth phase you know we will transition into whatever the next phase of this looks like and I hope we can remember that um, we do have our better angels out there to listen to, and we should be there for each other. It's it's massively important to you know engage in your discourse without being jerks. You know, considering other people's opinions, not shitting on them. It's less. I think it's it needs to be less. This sucks more. I'm not a fan because kind of discourse and <laughs> social media. It just makes it easier for. I mean, I tend to think of like the forums you know I'm, I'm really happy because our boards are still active they're still going i go on there every day and there's always new stuff but i think it requires a little bit more dedication because you have to search it out and you have to physically sign up and you know come to a separate page and, and get involved whereas facebook's just an app everybody's got it you know you can join all these stuff and i don't i don't want to say filthy casual or whatever because i'm a filthy casual of a lot of franchises and 
on a lot of groups and stuff like that. But it just makes it easier for a lot more people who aren't necessarily as... I'm not going to do this true fan bollocks. I'm, I'm talking more in terms of behavior kind of thing, you know, to just go on there and just spew, you know. We, we need to be... Remember to be not necessarily nice to each other, but considerate to each other. You know, people do have different opinions and the way you present your opinions matters. And I think that's a problem with, with Facebook, you know. And even just a simple thing, because I, I do still spend quite a bit of time on your forums. I don't participate very much, but I do read things. I read things about our show on there sometimes, which is weird. And I don't say anything. Um, but I do, I, do, I do spend time there because to me, what I love about the forums is that it's searchable. You can go back in time. You have historical archives of things. I can go back and see things I put there in college. I can see things from the past. And on Facebook, I mean, I can't oh. even scroll through the groups half the time. Oh, no. and I can find stuff that I posted that morning. And I find it very frustrating from a UI perspective, oh, God, yeah. but also from a usability perspective and the kind of people who do gravitate there, I totally agree. And I do think, you know, for everybody who, you know, engages on Facebook and things too, if you, if you have like a long dormant account on ABP Galaxy forums or other forums, open it back up again and take a look at it because it is a different kind of discourse. And if you're ever frustrated with social media, there are still other ways to engage as, as fans. Um, then you can go back to social media and feel like you kind of took a bath a little bit. You know? <laughs> I'm slightly OCD. So the, um, the chaos of the discussion, like you were saying, um, makes me not, I don't prefer it as my sort of um, discussion location because I know when I want to go back for reference to something, I'm not going to be able to find it. So um, it's it. my OCD does, does tend to keep me on forums and stuff like that. Even though I'm on all the media, I, I, I try and have fingers in every single pie so I know what's going on in, in all the corners of the fandom, what people are thinking and, and the consensus and stuff like that. But yeah, purely from a discussion point of view, I, str- I struggle with, with groups. And you are incredible at that, let me say, Aaron, at having your fingers in all the pieces of the pie. And along those lines, I want to urge people, follow ABP Galaxy on Facebook if you don't already, and on Twitter, other social media accounts, and listen to Aaron's podcast, which is very long running. You have like 100-something episodes at this point. They're all great. Um, and I, I still listen to that actively as well. So the ABP Galaxy podcast is available on all the popular platforms. You can double-deck it with our show, and you can get a lot of alien content on a weekly or bi-weekly basis. And uh, thank you for making time for us as always, man. It's, it's, it's a, a pleasure having your you know, knowledge and your history with this stuff and just having you here to talk with us. It really means a lot. Absolutely. And I think I'll say to bookend that, I think Alien Fandom's in a pretty good place right now. I think um, there was a lot of toxicity for a while. And I think a lot of groups sprung up to flee from that. And some of the largest groups now don't involve that. And I really think it comes from just the work of like, hey, we can, we can host every opinion. We can... Um, talk about this and not hate each other or not stupefy each other because we might like this or we might not like that or whatever or we might be more interested in this or different elements and I really think alien fans have really jumped aboard that they've moved away from that toxicity and uh, it's taken a lot of work a lot of self-work for people like me and, and others um, just to really disengage from that but I, I think it's a really great place right now like the way and there's humor you notice that, that? I mean, there's there's humor in these, totally. in these things again what's which, that which one group I've the what's the, it's the largest it's the largest which has tons and tons and tons of people the Wayland-Yutani Corporation that's what it corporation. is corporation largest 
I think it's the largest group on social media right now. 14,000 members in that group. And there's Gateway um, Station, which is another, it's just Gateway like, Station. you know, all of our friends are in there. That's a wonderful group that we engage in. And Building yeah. Better Worlds, of course, also has a still growing membership. We, we have, and, and our whole platform is based on this idea that we should treat each other well. Um, and so like, and it's a very safe space for fans to come and engage. And there's tons of these. ABP Galaxy is a yep. Facebook group as well. Yep. There's a lot of opportunities for people who were disenfranchised, like I was, or disenchanted rather, from the toxicity post-covenant. Um, there, are, there are places that are healthy still out there. You just got to kind of find them and, you know, it's a journey. Totally. And with that said, Aaron, thank you so much for coming on. We'll circle back around with you as we get into more discussion on Prometheus. Cool. Sounds good. For more on Perfect Organism, the Alien Saga podcast, please visit perfectorganism.com. Perfect Organism is available for listen or download through Podbean, iTunes, Google Play, TuneIn, and Spotify. If you'd like to support the show, please visit perfectorganism.com forward slash support. Thank you.